I've never been thrown off like that before, but that's all right. We'll just, we'll just go. Well, it's good to see everyone here this morning. And uh, I want to take a minute, look in the cameras as we do every week. Welcome those watching online. We are so grateful. And Lord willing, man, we'd love to have you in this space and worship to it with a church that worships our living God. And it's just fun. So thanks for those watching online. Real quick, before we jump into our part two of our series, I want to give an announcement. And I truly believe in this service. And um, I'm bringing the announcement because we're going to do a little bit of a change, not much of a change. But the first Wednesday of every month, we have a service here called First Wednesday. Right? Try not getting too crazy with you guys so you all can remember it. But our first Wednesday service, the first Wednesday of every month, our focus is on prayer and worship. And uh, I just believe with my, some of my time off over the summer, uh, we're getting back into some new vision of it. And I am so excited for this. This is in like two weeks. Uh, I think it's September 1st, actually, is I think is the first Wednesday of September. Uh, six o'clock. I hope you're here. I hope you come, if you're coming, with an expectation that you will encounter Holy Spirit here. And I truly believe this quote that I shared with you several weeks ago. I said, the difference between you and revival is the distance between your knees and the floor. And that is a service to get on the floor, be on our knees and the floor, pleading before God's throne. Now I'm going to say a quote from a pastor. This quote does not belong to me, but I like it. So if you dislike the quote, it's not me, all right? The quote said this. You got to think back in the days where you also had like Sunday night services, okay, back in the day. Uh, the quote went like this. If you love your church, you come Sunday morning. If you love your pastor, you come Sunday night. But if you love Jesus, you come to the prayer service. Mic drop. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I really hope you come. Hey, if you're a young family here this morning, whether you're online or in this room, there's activities for your kids so that you can just encounter the Lord. These services are about an hour. That's it. I think there are, there are some services we've jumped into that we could go an hour and a half, but we try to do it for about one hour. But I want to welcome you to part two of a series. This is going to be about six, seven weeks here of titled Unchanging. What are some biblical truths, biblical pillars or foundation of our faith that we drive into the bedrock that are just unchanging in a time and in a culture that's constantly changing, constantly changing ideas and this and that. So I hope today you're excited to be here because I think your heavenly father is excited you're here. I really hope that you get on the edge of your seat this morning, take some notes because I think today there's an awakening truth to be delivered. I pray that your heart would receive what I'm about to give in this part two of Unchanging. Now, before we jump in, I have a confession to make. My confession is this. I understand why Christianity can be off-putting to some people. And many, maybe some of you, whether you're online or in this room, 
It's been off-putting to you. Maybe because you were introduced to our faith, Christianity, in a way that was constantly rules. Do this, don't do that. If you read the words of Jesus and understand his prayers, this distorts Jesus. And I'll unpack that. I completely understand if this is what you think Christianity is, it can be off-putting. Jesus came not just to give us rules, but Jesus came so you and I can have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. I am not saying rules don't matter. For you rule breakers, you're like, yeah, preach it, rules, no rules. No. Rules keep us and strengthen the relationship. But relationship will always precede rules. Always precede rules. Think about and listen to the way Jesus talked. John chapter 3, verse 16, this is what he says. For God so what, friends? Loved the world. In other words, God so loved people. He so loved you. When we're told about that God, this God so loved everyone that he's going to send his son, it is all relationship language. All of it. A little bit later, John's going to write about a prayer that's happening. And here we get an intimate detail of a prayer that is being prayed by Jesus in John chapter 17, verse 3. He says this, now this is eternal life, that they know you, Father God, you, a relationship first, not rules first. That's what I put there. It's not that Jesus says, hey, I pray that they would know all the rules, it's gnoskos, the Greek word. I pray that, that they would know have that intimate relationship with you, God. That they may know the, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I love that language there. It's all about relationship, all about relationship. John's gonna continue in, in writing his letter and then it reads this way, several verses in. That they, this is his prayer, that they, meaning the disciples, the believers, that they may be what, friends? One. Now watch this. As we are one. Who is that? Get into it. That all of them may be what, friends? One. Father, just as you are in me, I am in you. Friends, we are going to dive into a topic today that for some of us may be brand new. And you're like, what in the world is Pastor Ian talking about? Some of us may know what we're going to be talking about today, and I pray that it would strengthen and only deepen your relationship with God. Think about what Jesus is saying here. He's praying that the disciples are one, as we are one, who is Jesus talking about? He's referring to himself as we are one. This is the idea of the tri, I'm sorry, the triunity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
This idea of three into one, three in one, a divine relationship of love. This is the term that we may know as the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Now lean in for a moment. The the word Trinity is nowhere found in Scripture. Our church father We have church fathers that help start the church and help um, formalize exactly what we believe. A guy by the name of Tertullian coined the term Trinity to help you and I understand what this idea of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is. Now, if you are ever on Jeopardy, and it says, who coined the term? Oh, this person coined the term Trinity. You can now buzz in. Who is, what's his name? Okay, half of us, not even half would win the money. That's all right. We'll try again, but it's easy. Tertullian, Trinity. It starts with a T and so does Trinity. Tertullian and Trinity. Now you got me messed up. Tertullian and Trinity, right? That's a great way to remember it uh, for your useless knowledge there. All right. But hey, this idea that there is a divine relationship in heaven, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, that they are one. There is one God, but there are three the personhoods of this God. And if you were introduced to Christianity, our faith, as all about rules, and it was rule-based, I am so sorry for you. It's all about a relationship. It's all about a relationship. Let me put it into practical terms for us. Um, When I was dating my wife, Katie, at the time, I, I don't know if someone was to read me what I would quote, the rules of marriage and family. I don't know if I would have said, yeah, we should get married. Let me, let's, let's go down this lane for a minute. Imagine this is the rule book of marriage and family. Here we go. The rule of the bathroom. (laughs) She rules the bathroom, put the seat down at all time. See, there's rules. (laughs) Rule of the closet. You both share the closet. Her share is 80%, yours is 20. Rule of bed making. The bed gets made every day. There's no real purpose in this because you will undo it all later. Additional rule. There will be tons of pillows on it that you cannot actually use because they are for decorations, which nobody sees anyways because nobody goes into the bedroom to see it. (laughs) The rule of money. You get none. The marriage and kids get it all. (laughs) Unspoken rules. See, I told you they exist. The rule of hobbies, you get none. Eventually all your money goes to the kids' hobbies. The rule of sleep, oh, the rule of privacy, you get none. You can't go into your kids' bedroom because they need privacy, but will walk into your bedroom freely. The rule of having nice stuff. No stuff stays nice. The kids will spill on the new couch. The dog will destroy the carpet. Kids will jump on stuff and break stuff. And the rule of free time, you get none, you're owned. (laughs) Now, of course, we're kidding. 
Hope, kind of. <laughs> if you were to read, and then we could have listed more and more, but if you were to read all of this, and I was to read all this before I got married, I would find it slightly offensive and say, I don't know. But the moment I fell in love with Katie, and out of our expression of love, we began to have kids, and they started to own my heart, I will gladly partake in these rules. But you see the difference. It was built on the relationship first. My friends, that's Christianity. I want you to understand this. You were created from a relationship of love and for a relationship of love. And we're going to unpack this. We're going to unpack this idea of what does it mean to be created from a relationship of love. What I mean by the from is this triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're in community before all of creation. It's a community and expression of love. That is where we're going to go today. Because there are storms coming on your life and on the church's life where people are changing truth. And we need to drive into the bedrock of our life a foundation that when the change comes, you and I will not come crashing down with it. Last week, I showed you a picture of a coastal house. This coastal house, when, when you look at coastal homes, they are built on piers or pillars because the storms that come in and the water that would come in, can go uh, beyond the house and recede back into the ocean without causing damage. Jesus taught a parable similar, this is more of the modern day parable, very similar in Matthew chapter 7 about the idea of a guy that builds his home on solid rock. Because the storm comes, it remains. He's a wise man, but the foolish man will build his house, drive the piers down in sand. And the problem is, when the storm comes, the sand erodes and the house will crumble. And this series is trying to figure out the idea of what are these pillars of truth, the bedrock of our faith, that can nourish our faith, that you and I can grow in a deeper intimacy because of our faith. And this is why in AD 325, that church leaders got together at Nicene, known as the Nicene Council, and came up with what's known as the Nicene Creed. Now, if you were here last week, you should have gotten a big one with the back. It says unchanging, and on the back side is the Nicene Creed. And if you weren't here and wanted more out in the information wall or guest central right out there in the lobby, you can pick one up. They're there for you. But what they did back in 320 and what was occurring is the church was under attack. They were trying, there was a group of people known as um, Arminianism that was trying to change the deity of Jesus. They were trying to change the teachings of Jesus and say that Jesus was not God, he was just a created person. And so that's why they had to come together and say, no, we have to figure out what's foundational to our faith because it's a group of people that's attacking what we believe and what we hold on to dearly. So they took the 870, approximately 1,000 words in God's word, scripture, and put it to 271 words. 
and came up with the Nicene Creed. And this is what we're anchoring our series into, is understanding when our brothers and sisters and their faith was attacked back in the 300s. We're no different because our faith is being attacked today as well. So what did they say? Hey, friends in the future, anchor your hope here. Last week, we were going to tear it line by line. Last week, we opened up with the very first line of the entire Nicene Creed. And it reads this way. We believe in one God. How many gods, friends? One. We're going to unpack that today. Because there's a reason why when they got together, this is the very first words they say. One God. The Father Almighty. The what, friends? He is the maker of heaven and earth, of things visible and invisible. We talked about the doctrine of creation, that at the very beginning of the Nicene Creed, they're sitting here going, hey, we have to inform a pillar of our faith, one God and a God creator. We looked at last week of who is this God, this maker. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, which we will unpack today. We're not gonna, there's, there's Yahweh, the most intimate name. That's the first name Jesus actually, or God says who he is. Very special. When God is encountering Moses and he says, I am who I am. I am Yahweh. It's the very first name God reveals of himself. He is our heavenly father, almighty God. He has always existed. He is before all things. He holds all things together. Our God is all-knowing, ever-present. He is holy, righteous, perfect. God is unchanging, all-powerful, and loving. This is creator God. Can I get an amen? That's the God we serve. And this list could go on and on and on. We talked last week too, just to keep us up to date, that we said all creation finds its ultimate source in God. All creation does. That you and I are very unique and special in his creation. That we are God's creation, but in Genesis chapter 1, verses 25, uh, 26 through 27, we're told that we are created in his image, the likeness of God which is the theological term imago Dei. Let's say imago Dei together. Ready? One, two, three. Imago Dei. You are special. The image of God, you bear that. The imago Dei. Compared to all other creation, you have that. We said humans have this unmatched dignity and unique purpose compared to all of other creation. And then we closed last week with this question of why did God even create? And he created to display his glory. Why? So that people might know, love, and show him. Today we will tackle a big paragraph, the second paragraph in the Nicene Creed. It reads this way. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the begotten of God the Father, the only begotten. That is of the, what's this one word, friends? The essence of the Father. We're going to come and talk about that. He's the essence. This Lord Jesus Christ is the essence of the Father. He's God of God, light of light, true God of true God. Begotten and not made. And watch this. He's not made. Iranianism was coming in and saying Jesus was created. See what they're saying now. 
No, he wasn't made. He was there from the beginning. By the way, he's the very same nature of the Father whom, by the way, all things came into being in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. If you really want to boil the Nicene Creed down, this is the reason why they even got together in the first place was this paragraph right here. This was the foundation of why they got together because they were attacking the deity of Jesus. And this is sitting here going, wait, time out. We need to know who was this Lord Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus? And they begin to tie. It says, no, no, no. He is the essence of the Father. He is God of God. He was not created. He was always with God. Oh, by the way, he's not made, and he's the very same nature of God. That is who this God is. And so they came together and wrote that paragraph for you and I. And that's where you and I are going to jump in today. What does it mean that Jesus is the essence of the Father? What does it mean that he is God of God? What does that all look like? What does it mean that he's of the very same nature? Ryan, help me understand. So here's what I'm going to do in this moment. I'm going to take us down a journey that if you've never heard the teaching on the theology of the Trinity, welcome today. If you've heard the theology of the Trinity, welcome today. Deepen your faith in this moment. So I don't know about you, but I'm fired up to learn about the Trinity. I'm still, thank you. Who was that? Uh, it would be Amy. This ain't Miss Amy over there. Kids director, of course you're loud. All right. It's awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, um, turn to your neighbor and say, you better get fired up. There you go. Hey, let's jump in. Lean in in this moment. I'm not going to hang out too long because I can't teach you the entire theology of the Trinity in a short message. It just, it won't work. I'm going to give you a brief overview to confuse you just enough. And then I'm going to land the plane by talking about why this all matters and get very personal of why the Trinity has mattered to me personally. So remember from the beginning I said that we were created from a relationship of love and for a relationship of love. What I mean by that is we are created from this heavenly father, the father, the son, and Holy Spirit, that this idea of this triune God, this trinity that takes place. And we're not just created from that, we're created to enter into a relationship for a relationship of love. We're created to have that relationship with the trinity. Now hang in there for a moment. The entire scripture of God is always revealing, God's word, the Bible, is always revealing more and more about who he is, right? You look at the very beginning of scripture and realize that there is a God who over time is introduced as our heavenly father who loves people dearly. Then that time comes with some evidence pointing towards a Messiah, towards a savior of the world, the son of God that's going to appear. Welcome to the New Testament, Now Jesus comes, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus now is that Messiah. He comes to save the world from sin. And Jesus says, you will know the Father, know me. You want to see the Father? See what I do. Because I am one, right? And then Jesus comes and he dies for all of us. And at the end of his life, when he comes back from the grave and defeated death, he's saying, hey, listen, I must go because the Holy Spirit, a comforter, is coming upon you. And it is better for I to leave so the Spirit can come. 
And then there's pointing to this Holy Spirit that's going to come on, on, on disciples, on, on the believers of Jesus Christ. And so you can collectively look at all of Scripture and point pieces, and there's little nuggets, little golden nuggets all throughout Scripture that you see the Trinity. Starting all the way back in Genesis 1, chapter 26. This reads this way. Then God said, let what, friends? Us. This is God speaking. Let us. Therefore, there's more than, does anyone ever talk by themselves and say, well, let us go to the grocery store today? <laughs> nope. We don't talk that way. So instantly we know there's something else going on in this Godhead. There's something going on. What's interesting is all the way in the New Testament, the gospel writer John, who's a disciple of Jesus, probably the youngest disciple, writes his letter. Watch how he speaks about Jesus now. This is so beautiful. John chapter 1, verse 1 through 3. In, stop right here. In the beginning. Anyone else know where that is stated in God's word? Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning, who friends? God. What is John doing? It is known as a remez. Let me hear you say remez. It's fun words. So you're going to win a bunch of Jeopardy. A remez is you look at a New Testament and look at the author and writers. It, a remez is a hint towards the Old Testament. What is John doing? Here's a remez in the beginning. You and all, if good Jews, we would already memorize all of Genesis. We would know God's word starts in the beginning, God created. What is John doing? Hey, he's taking us back. In the beginning was the word, which was Jesus. And the word, Jesus, was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. It's so beautiful to know what John is doing. He's saying, hey, when you guys celebrate Christmas, that is when Jesus appears. Jesus was there from the beginning. He was with God. He is God. He was there before everything was made, and through him, all of this was made, the invisible and the visible. It was all made through him. He was there at the beginning. We celebrate Christmas because that Jesus has now took on flesh here on earth. It's not when Jesus starts when Mary gives birth to him. And it doesn't really even happen December 25th, by the way. There's, I know some of you are like, you just ruined my Christmas story, right? And that's just when we chose to celebrate it. But that doesn't win. That just means when God, right in that moment, Emmanuel, God with us, fully human and fully God. Emmanuel. This is why Jesus would go on and why would they ever want to kill this guy, right? This guy would bring good morality, good teaching, all that stuff to the ancient world. Why would you ever want to kill him? John writes why they want to go after Jesus. Check this out. John chapter 5, verse 18. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him, Jesus. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, because you couldn't work on the Sabbath, and Jesus is going around healing people, doing good things, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Right there in the Jewish world, you are making yourself equivalent to who God is. That is blasphemy. And the result of blasphemy is stoning to death. 
This is why they're going after Jesus. They're saying, you are not God. You are not. Now, the ancient world had a symbol for this triune God to help us understand it. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We have a modernized image to help us try to understand it so we're not as confused. I'm going to show you an image, and what I want you to do is either take a picture real quick or try to jot it down on your notes. I'll bring it up more times throughout this series, but I'm going to land here just for a moment. Here's to better help us understand. Who is in the middle of this image? We'll say it one more time with, with, with confidence, because you're right. It's who? It's God. Now watch this. Father is God. Son, Jesus, is God. Christ is not Jesus' last name, by the way. It wasn't Mary and Joseph Christ. <laughs> Christ means anointed one, the Messiah. We gotta, let's clear that up so we now know. Some of you literally, light bulbs are going on right now. This is awesome, okay? Holy Spirit is God. But look at the is not. The Father is not the Son, Jesus. The Father is not the Spirit. Vice versa, the Son, Jesus, is not Father. You know how many times Jesus is praying to the Father? Jesus points, Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. He says, I got to go away so the Spirit can come. The Holy Spirit is not our Heavenly Father. The Holy Spirit is not the Son, Jesus. Now, is your mind blowing and you're like, oh my gosh, Ryan, I'm so confused. Can I say welcome to the club? Welcome to the club. We're trying again to wrap our finite mind around an infinite God. And this, to help us at least get us a little bit of an understanding, this is like the best picture in our faith we can come up with. It's this right here. But notice, the Son Jesus is God, the Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God. Another way we say it's three in one. Or you can say this, one God, three, I wish I would have said personhoods. That's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's another way to say it. It's three in one. We have to understand. This is why the very beginning of the creed, now you know why our church fathers and our church brothers and sisters back in the 300 begins their Nicene Creed saying, we believe in what, friends? One God. Again, because they're saying, no, Jesus is God too, but we believe in one God. There may be three personhoods of who God is, but God is one. We serve one God. To make it even more confusing, look at the words of Jesus at the Great Commission. Jesus mentions it. Here we go. Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And here's the Trinity, who we got to baptize in. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Even Jesus is introducing this idea of the Trinity, this triune God, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. Now, you are Trinity theologians. Not really. It's hard sometimes to fully understand. And this is why I love the quote by John Wesley, 
who went around and had what's known as band meetings because he got together in small groups and just they just devoured God's word together and got into the scriptures. He went around evangelizing like crazy. And this is what he says about this triune God, this idea of the Trinity. He says this, bring me a worm that can comprehend, comprehend a man, then I will show you a man that can comprehend the triune God. There you go. I know it's difficult. And I know it's sometimes very difficult to figure out like the songs we sing, we're saying Father, we're saying Jesus. We say come Holy Spirit. Like Ryan, my mind hurt. What is all of that? But there's something extremely important to know about the Trinity, this triune God. The Trinity is less about understanding it and more about walking in it. And that's what I want to lead you to. I'm still trying to figure out how that whole relationship happens and sometimes I think that's where just faith comes into play. But we can enter into a relationship with the Trinity. And so what I wanna do is I'm landing the plane. I wanna give you an intimate look into my life of why the Trinity matters to me, your lead pastor. And I want to share three reasons why. And I pray it would increase your faith as well and help you walk in a more deep, intimate relationship with our God. The Trinity is the most intimate relationship I have on this planet. It is greater than my relationship with my wife, who I dearly love. It's greater than the relationship of my best friends and my family and my kids. The most important relationship to me is the Trinity. Why does it matter, number one, to me? So I can intimately know the true God. The true God. Anything less than the Trinity is false. Anything less. I have a feeling a lot of, a lot of believers or disciples of Jesus, here's the issue. We may only know God as Father. That is only one third of the true God. 33.3333333%. Maybe for some of us, we know God the Father and God the Son. We're thankful for Jesus. And that's it. That's only two thirds of the true God. 66.6666667%. I want to intimately know 100% of my creator, and that is the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Let me give you an illustration I have in my pocket here. Let me see if I can grab it here. Camera, you may have to zoom in on that, but can everyone see this? This is currency. This is a $50 bill. Pretend you will go up to your friend and ask, can I borrow $50? I will pay you back in a couple of days. And you have a generous friend. They give, say, sure, borrow it. I expect it back in a couple of days. That's, you know, your honor, your word. We give, your friend gives you $50. A couple of days pass. And you go back up to your friend and says, I got your money. And you give them $5. And your friend says, whoa, whoa, wait. 
I loaned you 50. You're only giving me five. You owe me 45 more dollars. To which you respond, you have your truth. I have my truth. Here's five. Here's the danger you and I live in today. Truth is changing. What's interesting about the culture, specifically what you and I are living into today, we all in this room and beyond this world, we all have the same vocabulary, but we are using different dictionaries. I say black lives matter. We all understand the word. But what am I talking about? What is my dictionary of that word? For some of you, you say, oh, it's the organization. Pastor Ryan supports the organization. Other of you say, no, Pastor Ryan would say all lives matter. Like, that's why he says it. Do you see it? Same vocabulary, different dictionary. The problem is today, I don't know what anyone is talking about. When you say love, what are you talking about? What kind of love are you talking about? Well, God is love. God is love, but love is not God. There are two different things, completely two different things. When someone says, have compassion, what do you mean by that? I understand the vocabulary of compassion, but what's your definition versus my definition? Someone says, oh, I believe in God. Hold on. What God do you believe in? Same word, different dictionary. I believe God of the Bible, the creator God, the triune God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And this person saying, oh, I just think God's a spiritual thing. Hold on, different dictionary. Now we're having a different conversation. Someone says, I, I believe Jesus, yeah. Well, I, I do too, same word. What's your dictionary of my savior of this world? My personal Lord and savior. What's your dictionary you're, you're using? And here's what we're doing, friends. We're taking a $50 word like Jesus, Holy Spirit, God, the true God, and we are giving $5 definitions for it. Why does the Trinity matter to me? So I can know all of him. I can know all of him. And not just know but intimately walk with the creator. The second point of why the Trinity matters to me is this, so I can enjoy being with him. I can enjoy it. The heart of God is to be with every single one of us. That's why Jesus came, Emmanuel, God with us. And you may be thinking today, I don't know if I fit with this God. I don't know if I fit in this church. Can I say, there is no class in the kingdom of God. There is level ground at the foot of the cross where we all are on our knees in surrender. Level playing floor in the kingdom of God. There's a beautiful ancient song known as the doxology that relates to this idea of just enjoyment of this true God. And here are the words of this ancient doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We are creatures of praise and worship, friends. Praise him, all creatures, here below. You and I, my fear is that we may not be worshiping God, we're worshiping the things of this world instead. 
Praise him above ye heavenly hosts. Here's the triune God. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I've asked the team if they would be willing to sing this song over you. And that's what they're going to do. If you know the words, that right there will stay on the screen. If you don't know it, let the team beautifully sing over you. But if you do, stay seated and I'll wrap up. But more than welcome to sing along this beautiful doxology of the God you and I truly worship. Beautiful doxology written deep within our faith. The triune God. Why does the Trinity matter to me? Because I can know, intimately know the true God. So I can enjoy being with him in everything, the fullness of who he is. And here's where I'm going to get really open and intimate with you. Is my third point. So I can engage all of God with all that I need. Every single morning during my quiet time, it's just my time in my chair. I have a special chair in the living room and I light a scented candle. It's manly. Um, I like the woodwick. I like the, like the noise, the crackling noise. And I light it. And this is before my family gets up. I just have time with God. And for me, and I'm not, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm, I'm letting you know how the Trinity affects your lead pastor. Uh, for me, it's very meaningful for the roles that the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit play. And so I pray according to that. Yes, I pray to God in the name of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, I do do that. But for me, it's very personal. So when I enter into my quiet time and I begin my prayer time, I always start with Heavenly Father. And then I begin to, with God, with Heavenly Father, I begin to sit there and be reminded that God, you, Heavenly Father, you're my provider. You're my provider. You're my protector. I pray for his protection around my home. Every single morning, I pray for protection around my wife and my kids. Every time I pray for the church, I pray for God, your, your guardian warrior angels to surround this, this facility, especially Sunday mornings when the enemy does not want to do and hear the truth that's being preached from here. I start with the heavenly father knowing that when things are over my head, they are still under his feet. And I start there. Then I transition to Jesus. Something I, I do is learn from my friend over here is the chair that's adjacent from me, I cockeye it so it's facing me. And in my mind, I imagine Jesus hanging out with me. And this is just intimacy, what I do. I ask Jesus, have a seat and just hang out with me. 
I confess things and I repent of things knowing he's the one that forgives sin. I also ask Jesus that I would have his aroma, as scripture says, that I would look like Jesus to other people, that I would overflow his aroma. I pray for the eyes of Jesus, the way he saw people. Give me your eyes. The way that you um, interacted with people and had a heart. I pray, God, Jesus, give me your heart for people. The way you broke for people, may I have that heart. I pray for the attitude of Jesus. Oh, help me to shine your light, Jesus. I pray to Jesus that he would remove the guilt and shame if I felt like I'm just getting attacked there. And then I ask Holy Spirit every single day, every morning, Holy Spirit, come and fill me. And Holy Spirit, I don't want just a filling, I want an overflowing, an outpouring. I pray for an outpouring on this church. I pray, Holy Spirit, an outpouring on my wife, Katie, on my, on my kids. I pray for the Holy Spirit would be present in my home. I pray that every room in my house would have the presence of Holy Spirit. I pray for his empowering in my life every single morning. I pray that he would release and activate more of the spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives in my life. Still praying for mercy, not there yet, but I'm praying, I'm praying. I pray for those. I pray for the fruits of the Spirit. I pray it over my wife and my kids as well while they're sleeping or just beginning to wake up that my family would bear large fruits of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I pray, God, help me not have raisins. Help me have the biggest fruits of the Spirit my tree can bear. That's my a glimpse into my prayer life and why the Trinity matters. I didn't realize how gut-wrenching this message was gonna be come Friday night. All throughout the week, I was, I was giddy. I'm like, man, we're gonna get into some deep weeds with theology and Trinity and their minds are gonna be like, whoa, I'm hurting, but I knew I wanted to land right here of why the Trinity matters to me, and Lord willing, you will apply it in your life. But this truly became relevant to me Friday night. On Friday, my dad's had heart issues for a while. My dad, my father would normally be in this service sitting over there. And I normally always get a text message from my dad after service that says, what a wonderful message, bud. I don't know if he's just being dad. <laughs> like, hopefully you mean it. <laughs> like, you know. Friday, my father went in for what's known as an exploratory surgery on his heart. He was having some heart issues again. He did some stress tests and they said, hey, yeah, you're, something's going on. Let's go in. And they just want to explore. About an hour surgery of exploring the heart, see if there's anything clogged. And then about two to three hours of rest time afterwards and then a, re a release from the hospital. 
about an hour and a half after coming out of that surgery, my dad FaceTimes my mom, who's with my sister at the hospital in Kalamazoo, crying through the FaceTime to say, I'm not doing well. Something's happening. Two hours after just normal exploratory surgery, my dad goes into a massive, massive heart attack. And the right side of his heart completely collapse. This is Friday night about 8.30. Call my sister up, says, We're, we gotta do surgery now. We gotta, we gotta go in. They had to revive my dad five different times. They got the heart back open, but they said, your father's heart is as sick as a heart can get. So my wife and I head up to Kalamazoo at about 9.30 at night. My sister's already there with my mom, who, by the way, has just been re recently diagnosed officially by doctors with dementia. She can't leave her alone. I'm just crying out to God. Oh, Father. This is way over my head, but it's under your feet. Jesus, I need to look like you to my family. I, I need you to be walking with me right now. Holy Spirit, breathe life into my father in this moment. Breathe life into me. <laughs> they called. We couldn't go actually into the room, but Friday night they put my father on a ventilator. Yesterday they airlifted my father to a hospital in Grand Rapids. And they have him on a ventilator in dialysis and he has a pump that's acting as his heart in order to keep him alive right now. <laughs> they called last night and said, the pump that's acting like your dad's heart is not doing what it's supposed to be doing. God, I need you. When I woke up Saturday morning after getting home, my wife and I got home about 1.30 Friday night, which would be Saturday morning. Went to bed tired as can be, just not knowing what lies ahead for our family. Can I tell you this? I woke up Saturday morning with my dad on a ventilator, so excited to meet with God. Because I intimately know the true God. I had a joyous time reading his word. I shed tears. I worshiped. Can I say all this? I, I don't know how my dad is doing ever since I've been to church this morning. I have no idea. But I have immense peace because the Trinity matters to me and I've gotten to know God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.
I don't tell you that story to, for you to, let's pray over Ryan, nine o'clock service already did. Just pray for my family, okay? And I'll keep us updated as we go because we got to figure out if, whether my dad survives or not. We got to figure out what to do with a mother who's been diagnosed with dementia. I cried out, God, I'm 38 years old. I can lose my father and I've already lost a little bit of my mom. But I will gladly stand and still worship the God who's the God of the mountain and the God of the valley as well. I love what this pastor wrote about the Trinity. He gave this quote in an article two reasons why the Trinity matters. He says this, to know God savingly is to know him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Anything less is sub-Christian. Why take an entire message to teach about the quick doctrine of the Trinity? Because I want you to know the true God. We could have taken that portion of the Nicene Creed, just jumped into who's Jesus? But I want you to know this. This is our God and he is good. He's good, friends. Our God is a God who loves us. Your heavenly father loves you. And this is our God who gave his son, Jesus Christ, for you. So you and I can enter in a relationship through Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. And this is our God who lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit. Oh, we serve a great God. Oh, we serve. And I hope you will begin to intimately know the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Will you please stand this morning? Will you please stand? And let's just, the team's going to close us in a song, but I'm going to ask us in this moment, can we just close our eyes and bow our heads? I just want us to sit with this idea that the creator of the universe loves you deeply. Just think about that. And the creator of this universe wants you to know him intimately. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Father God, a pillar of our faith is the idea of the Trinity. Knowing that God, you stood before all creation, eternity in your hand. You are above it all. And oh God, we thank you for that. May we in this moment get a glimpse of all of you and your glory. Oh, holy God, may we worship you with arms high and heart abandoned. May we stand in awe because of how good and how amazing you are, God. May we worship you with full surrender, with arms high and our hearts completely abandoned to you.